Wow, what an incredible time. What an incredible season. What an incredible Christmas season. Uh, if you haven't heard and the cat's out of the bag, I happen to like food. So Christmas, it's a party, man. It's, it's awesome. I mean, we had so much fun at the International Christmas. I mean, it's part of my pastoral duty to inspect pretty much every dish that is served. So if I'm carrying a little bit more insulation for, for you know, these winter months, maybe by January, well, well no. <laughs> We had a great time. We had the International Christmas. We got to celebrate together. We got to come together. We got to be one body, diverse, but one family. It was beautiful. Christmas Eve, we got to gather together again and worship and just, uh, you know, really just take in who Jesus is and his great love and great plans for us. Wasn't it great to see Pastor Debbie up here with the children and hear that story? Those guys are so cute. I don't know how you parents say no. I mean, it's tough, right? But God's grace. So Christmas Eve comes and happens, Christmas Day, a lot of us gathered with friends and family, we got to worship, Uh, some of us had to work, some of us got to serve, Boxing Day, Unity in Christ, shout out to you guys, thank you Jesus, great beautiful time here at the church, and that Filipino food was a gift from Jesus Christ, hallelujah, (laughs) praise God. If you haven't tried, um, if you haven't tried Filipino spaghetti, a little bit shut, try it out, (laughs) it's awesome. But that wasn't it. Um, Yesterday, Messiah from Scratch, or not yesterday, sorry. Messiah from Scratch was here on the 27th. It's an active place. That's a community group who came here to sing songs of of our Savior. Uh, Shabbat Symphony came here to our church to facilitate an opportunity for people to come and worship the birth and experience, uh, you know, together corporately what Jesus did. What a blessing. And thanks for those who served and helped to make that happen. And then last night, um, it's, it's not seek anymore, Tim. Help me out. It's the new strategic planning piece. We get to come here and worship and pray again. Guys, it's been a full season. It's been a busy season. And some of you are ready to just put pause on <laughs> and take some rest. And that's okay. And that's okay. You know, I love the Christmas story. Like Pastor Glenn said, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful story. It's a story. It's a story of love. It's a story of miracles. It's a story of hope. To begin, we see an older couple, barren, their entire marriage give birth to a miracle baby. I'm not talking about Jesus. John the Baptist, and God has a plan for John. I'm excited about the virgin birth, too, that God just supersedes and comes over in nature, and he can, and he can. And uh, he had a plan for that, that child who was born of the virgin, too. <laughs> God used angels. He brought angels to bring messages to people. They had supernatural encounters and encouragement, and he brought outsiders inside. He said to the Levitical shepherds, the shepherds raising the lambs for Passover, the Passover lambs, the sacrifice lambs, people who could not attend temple, people who were on the outside, people who, you know, the average person might look down on and think, well, they're not coming to church. But he brings those people right to the center of the story to worship the King of Kings. God's got a plan and there's hope. And as we track further in that Christmas story, what happens? These wise men show up from northern Persia or north of Persia, people who come from a different religion, a different part of geography, and are brought right to the center of the Christmas story. Now, they didn't come to the right place first. First, they came to Jerusalem. They wanted to worship the king. They came to where kings live. Jerusalem, the capital city. And they encounter a king who is a regent king, a king who does not really have full authority or power, one who's under Roman occupation. And he's excited to receive them? No, he's terrified. Do you know the strange thing about Herod? 
I don't get this. These people have come to worship the king. So, so what does Herod do? He goes to the scriptures to find the Messiah, God's chosen one. Why? So he can kill him. Wait a minute. You believe in God, you believe in his word, but you don't trust that what he has is good for you. So what he's going to do is take out the hope, not just for Jerusalem, but the hope of the nations? Well, thank God, God had a plan. And there's hope. And the truth is, if we look back in this year and we consider some of the things that have happened, some of us have encountered some difficult circumstances. The truth is, some of us have lost loved ones. but some of us have welcomed new members to our family. Some of us have left or lost jobs, and others have gained them. Some of you have new homes, a new province, or even a new country, and some of you might be looking for one. Some of you began school, and some of you completed it. Some of you are looking forward to the future with a question mark. But can I just share this? Here at Faith, as a staff, we're blessed to receive reports weekly of God's faithfulness. The prayer cards in your seat that are used to you know, share your prayer concerns that we'll pray for you about are also ones used to give praises. And do you know how many miracles we've witnessed this year? It's incredible. I'm talking medically substantiated healings. God is faithful. He's faithful. And that's not to diminish what you've gone through, but I believe you're not going through it alone. There's a family here who wants to pray for you, who's for you. Now, we might not ever get everything right, but we serve a perfect God who's perfecting us, and he loves each and every one of us. And we can come together and pray for one another and expect him to hear our prayer. So for those of you who are still waiting, you're still hoping for breakthrough, whether that's a job or direction or a healing, can I just encourage you, please, today, come to the altar, come to him, come to him with your prayer requests and expect, because I believe that God is for you, not against you. I believe that God has plans for you. I can believe that God loves you and loves the people that you love, and even the people that you might find obnoxious, he loves them too. So bring them <laughs> to him too. We're believing God for miracles. We know he's a miracle worker. We've seen it. I expect it today. Can I get an amen? Yes. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, what an incredible season. You are so merciful. You are so humble. You've come to us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to make a way to, to God, to heaven, to you, to a perfect and loving, holy, heavenly Father who cares so much for us that he would become one of us, that, Father God, your living word, Jesus Christ, through whom which everything was created, would come and be born as a humble, humble uh, child in a manger, Father God, the sacrificial lamb, Father God, not just of Israel, but for the nations, that Jesus, being the perfect sacrifice, was made to be one of us, to teach us, to guide us, to love us, to show us the way. 
God, we want you, we just invite you to reveal yourself today. Reveal yourself, your love, your joy, your truth, your purpose, your plan, your power, your mercy. God, we're believing you for miracles today and always in the mighty name of Jesus. Can I be honest with you? One of my most exciting things that I've read about, now we've heard about miracles, we've heard about people's backs being healed, people kept supernaturally safe, jobs coming out of nowhere, money, money just honestly appearing and financial breakthrough for folks, and that's awesome. But one of the most exciting things that I've been able to celebrate this year are the lives that are changed by the love of God. You know, in our church, there are so many stories and it's so rich and deep to hear about the love that is tangible that you can reach out and touch and see and know in the lives of the people we gather with every Sunday. Testimony after testimony of changed lives. Students battling anxiety and depression who give it all to Jesus. People coming and being healed from addictions. People coming from the occult, trying to manipulate, worship uh, something that is not God. Coming and being in the center of God's will where they experience being a son of God and seeing miracles happen in their presence from the holy God who loves them. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That's our God. So those change live stories, those are the ones that hit me. I am still thankful for miracles and will believe it for today. You know, we have to ask the question, that what comes next? You know, what comes next? We're, we're looking at 2020, and you've heard all the cliches about 2020 vision, all those pieces. What comes next? And if it's okay, I'm going to take us back to the Christmas story and say, okay, so what happened next? You know, one thing I find interesting, I was going to keep telling you anyway. The Magi show up, and what do they show up with? Gifts and they bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts for a king. But they're not just gifts for a king. Frankincense and myrrh, are, these are expensive perfumes. And yeah, Mary and Joseph could have used those things while they were in Egypt you know, to pay for their business because they had to escape because Herod was gonna come and do in, we'll get there in a minute. But you know what's interesting? Those are used in burial practices, right? First century Palestine, first century uh, Judea, first century Israel. Gifts that are given to this king, our king, the king of kings, were for a funeral. Not only that, that Jesus was wrapped in cloths, those swaddling cloths, those were probably Joseph's burial cloths. People used to travel with the equipment, with the things they needed, that if they died on their trip, they wouldn't be a burden. They were prepared. Joseph came prepared. He brings swaddling cloths that he wraps his baby up, puts in a manger, and the shepherds come in and see Jesus and say, huh. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, is a spotless and perfect lamb, a baby wrapped in death clothes. And within two years, who shows up? The Magi. With gifts for a king, gold, everything that he's going to need for those next parts of his journey. Do you know that God has a plan for your journey? And you know that even though Herod thought he could take out Jesus, oi, God had a plan? Yes, Jesus did die. He did but not before the appointed time and not before the appointed purpose. You know, I believe that God had a plan and Jesus was born in a manger for a reason. The king of kings left glory. Jesus left glory to be humble. If you look out into the world, 
That doesn't always look how we see leadership defined, humility. But here, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is represented as a humble king bringing hope, bringing hope to all nations. That is refreshing. That is a message I can get behind. That is something that we can follow. God is faithful. He meets us where we're at. He was not surprised with Herod's (laughs) plan. So silly, you know, like... (laughs) He's going to find something in the scriptures he can use against God. Seriously, what team are you working for? I mean, you got the living word of God just born. Now, he hadn't read John because it hadn't been written, but give me a break. I mean, even Isaiah could have pointed him anyway. You know what? Thank God he found me because it's a miracle. So let's just jump down to, uh, to Matthew chapter 2 and take a little bit of a look at insight into what happened after the birth of Jesus. It says, Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. That's after the Magi had left. So after the Magi had left, Joseph gets a heads up in a dream. Do you know what? God still speaks in dreams. Do you know how many people I've met where Jesus has encountered them in a dream? I'm not joking. And honestly, in a scientific world that would ignore the realities of the supernatural, or at least try to categorize them, God is still speaking through dreams. That doesn't mean every dream's from God. You've got to ask, is this from God, my flesh, or the devil? And the ones that aren't from God, you can just let go. But the ones that are from God, I encourage you, pay attention. There are people in this room who Jesus Christ revealed himself to you in a dream. And you might not even have known who he was, but as you went forward in the journey and trusted him, he brought you to a place or a people or a person who could help you to understand understand more of who he was. Our God is a God of the supernatural. He still moves in dreams and visions. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God warns Joseph through a dream. He says, get up and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up. He took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken By the Lord, through the prophet, out of Egypt, I have called my son. And what comes next is a massacre. It's a massacre. Herod wasn't stupid in this sense. He knew that he'd been had. The Magi did not come back and report to him. And when he showed up in Jerusalem, he was like, hey, go and find him and tell me where he is. I want to worship him too. (laughs) Yeah, with a sword. No, he didn't. But the Magi were warned in a dream and go a different way. God uses dreams. We can't ignore when God speaks. Well, we could try to ignore when God speaks to us, but it's better that we don't. Um, So God uses a dream. Joseph goes to Egypt, and what does Herod do? He's like, I got a plan now. I know what I'm going to do. I'm smarter than this God who wrote the scriptures. So what I'm going to do is kill every child to and under, there's about, in uh, Bethlehem and the area around. Well, it didn't work. Again, He's making decisions as a leader that are impacting a lot of people. He's hurting families because of his fear, because of his desire to preserve himself, because he doesn't trust that what God has coming, the Christ, is good for him. Ouch. Sin's ugly. And it has consequences. And before we judge God and say, but, 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 all those children died, all those parents hurt, remember that his son died. He knows what it's like to have a hard day. He knows what it's like to be belittled, spit on, stripped naked, and tortured to death. He knows. 
And that's where he meets us. Right in the midst of our suffering, there's hope. There's hope. In John chapter 10, Jesus explains that day. And he unpacks for us a little bit some context that is helpful to understand why it is that he is doing what he's doing. So God has John write this in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. Jesus says again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus wasn't murdered. Jesus was not murdered. Jesus allowed himself to die. What does he say when Peter cuts off the ear? Put the sword away. This is part of God's plans. What does he say when he's talking to Pilate? Do you not think, if I had a word, I could have legions of angels? God knows. In the midst of suffering, God is there. He brings victory. He brings hope. I'm not saying that everything that's happened to you that's hard is within the perfect will of God, but I tell you, a perfect God loves you, and he will redeem you, and he will heal you and empower you and give you the victory. Not only the victory, the plan and the purposes, and you will walk in the power of God and see miracles. There are people here who have forgiven people who have abused them and hurt them. There's people here who have come from addictions. There's people here who have come from living for themselves to walk forward in hope and victory and love and see other people impacted in love. Do you want a piece of this? Do you want to see miracles? Then hang on and receive it. So he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. Well, thank God. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And Jesus says this, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He healed then, he heals now. He raised the dead then, he raises them now. It doesn't take many searches on Google to find out medically verified cases of people who are legitimately dead that in the name of Jesus Christ are raised. God's amazing. God's amazing. So what happens after Christmas? Hope. What happens after Christmas? Yes, there were obstacles but Jesus overcame them. What happens after Christmas? There's victory. There's victory. There's victory. 
Joseph and Mary returned from Egypt. When an angel of the Lord is directing their, God directs their path again with a supernatural message and he says, hey, he appears to Joseph in a dream and he says, get up and take the child and his mother. This is in Matthew chapter two, verse 19. He says, when Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and he said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned, wait a minute, in a dream, <laughs> he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in the town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. Here's an interesting Google search. Google how many prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. It's not one, it's many. It's almost impossible and they seem contradictory, but when you spend time looking at the story of the virgin birth all the way through to his life, you're going to encounter a God who knows what he's talking about because he spoke of it. Listen to this. Some of this written hundreds, even thousands of years before Jesus Christ was born. He knows you. He has a plan for you. There is hope for you. If he didn't care, he could have let Jesus die right there in the manger and say, okay, there's the story, but he didn't. He didn't. He wasn't finished, not until the appointed time. Friends, do not give up. Do not give up. Do not give up. There is hope for you. Hear this if you hear nothing else today. There is hope for you. I don't care what stage of life you're in, whether it's a child or someone who's later on in years, there is a purpose and a plan for your life. The God that loves you has said that you're a part of a family that means something to him, that he paid for with the blood of his son, raised up from the dead, filled with his Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ shared his Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of prophecy, who spoke thousands of years ago through the prophets, is still speaking it today. He doesn't argue with the scriptures, so don't worry, you can test it all. That's the spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead, who is available for us today to walk in victory, truth, and hope. We are not alone. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, as you go forward from the Christmas story, you encounter this verse, and Jesus increased in wisdom, in years, and in divine, uh, in human favor. What happens after Christmas, real life? Jesus grows up. Didn't stay a little baby. He grew up. He was a good son. And he probably learned his dad's trade. Do you know what? Jesus knows what it's like to live where the rubber meets the road. He knows what it's like to go to work. He knows what it's like to have a family. He knows what it's like to have a family who doesn't believe in him. He knows your heart. Boy, does he love you. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. As we just think about a few thoughts, if we just consider a couple things that comes in the aftermath of the Christmas story. It's not over. God's not finished. 
something powerful happened in, at the Christmas season that's continued, something that has continued to this day. You see, as Jesus continued to grow, at the appointed time, he became part of a public ministry, but he waited. He waited patiently as a son. He was obedient. And when God called him, he went forward. And he was tempted by the devil, and he overcame. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to be in the fragile human condition. God isn't a God who just thinks of of what your experiences are. He has experienced. He knows. He knows what you're facing. And into the situations that you would bring before him, he wants to bring hope. People who followed Jesus didn't always understand him. They didn't always get it right. But some of them just kept going. They saw him heal people who the world had written off. They saw him spend time with people who people said were treasonous. He spent time with the sinners and he raised them up. He went to the dirty places and the hard places to rescue souls, to bring them into the glory of God so they can sit at a table prepared by God forever. The people who followed Jesus saw amazing things. They saw hope in action. They saw victory. They saw him with a word raise the dead. That's my God. The same yesterday, today, and forever as is written in Hebrews. That's my God. I've seen God heal. I've seen God restore. I've met a man who was raised from the dead. I've held his hand and seen him serve Jesus. Jesus Christ has plans for your life. Look, there might be circumstances, there might be heartache, there might be some kind of supernatural oppression. You might have come in here against God, but I pray you're going out knowing that he is for you. God has a plan and a purpose. And the exciting thing, the exciting thing is if we will walk for him, walk forward with him in hope and victory, we're going to see great things. But 2020 is going to be a year. It could be a year full of miracles. Lives changed, restored, answered prayers, people coming home, children being reconciled to the fathers. 2020 could be a year where we stand here and say, glory to God on high. There is hope. 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 The exciting thing is that it wasn't done on the cross. It wasn't done on the cross. He left the grave. The grave couldn't hold him. He gave, he gave victory over the grave and over death. And he walked forward. And what did he do when he went up into heaven? Before he left, he said, I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you forever. I will send my Holy Spirit to be in you. I will baptize you in the presence of God. And you will see even greater things than I have done. That's his promise. I want to take him at his word. 
So if today you're waiting for a miracle, you need hope to come alive. Can I just invite you to take hold of it? There are promises given. He is a promise giver. Let's take him at his word. He is the truth. He is the way and he is the life. There is hope in Jesus. But it starts with our heart. And if you haven't already, and if you don't know him, can I just encourage you? There's a lot said about God. Get to know him. And if he's knocking on your heart's door today, walk, walk, keep walking. Walk forward with him. Open that door wide open because he loves you. Everything you've ever done, everything you, you know, because we're convicted, everything you've ever done is forgiven. He took it on the cross, the perfect lamb of God, the blood of Christ, washing us, us clean. Otherwise, I could not stand here. In fact, as a child, I did not want to public speak. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will make a difference in you, and he'll make a difference for you. First, you are a son. You're a son or a daughter, but you're a son with all the inherited rights of Jesus Christ. They are yours. You can receive them. He will provide for you. He will guide you. He will protect you. You will not go home until he calls you. And while you're here, things will change. There's hope. So I'm going to pray in a minute. And if the Holy Spirit leads you and you want to agree and you want to hang on to this, and this sounds like something that's for you, God is speaking to you and you want to agree, you can say amen. And if there's something specific that God's put on your heart, you can come here and we will pray with you and we will believe for you for God's best. We believe in miracles at faith. We have seen miracles at faith. We are not going to leave here without knowing that God is a holy and righteous God who delivers. He delivers. Signs, miracles, and wonders will accompany those Come on, we know it. Let's believe, let's pray. Father God, we know that our hope is in you, that in the gentle lamb of God who came in a humble way to a world, Father God, that he created, a world that did not know him, he came and he spoke a message of truth and hope and love and victory. He laid it all down and paid the cost for us to be part of your family, God, forever. Jesus, we do not want to take lightly the blood that was, that, was, that was shed on Calvary, the blood, Father God, of your precious Son, a gift. Father God, you gave us something that we couldn't do ourselves, a way to you, a perfect God, a perfect family. Father God, you sent a perfect sacrifice to bring us part of something that is complete and whole and well. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood that cleanses us from everything, every iniquity, every thought, every word, every time we didn't step up when we should have, every time we stepped into when we shouldn't have. Father God, for every pill that was taken that shouldn't have been, every addiction, Father God, that shouldn't have been, Jesus, we thank you that we are forgiven and we are healed and we are set free in your name. Father God, we thank you that even now you are restoring bodies. You are restoring souls. You are restoring minds. That, Father God, we will fight by the power that you have given us in your word. Father God, we will stand in your promises. We will know there is hope and victory in you. That we are never alone. In fact, we can't be alone because you're always with us. And that, Lord, you've placed us in a family, Father God, that is a loving family. We might be in process, but we're loved. And, Father God, by your power and your love, we're going to love each other father God in these moments 
for anyone who comes forward. We thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. We thank you for miracles in Jesus' name. And Father God, for those who are walking out of here today, we thank you they don't go alone. But Father God, you're going before them. You're going with them. They can be filled to overflow with your Holy Spirit and they can expect miracles to happen. They can expect the lost to come home. They can expect a boss to be softened. They can expect a coworker to ask a question. They can expect prayer requests, Father God, to come to them and be answered because we know it as well. So as we look forward to the future, Jesus, we thank you that we have one with you that is glorious. And we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.